Um, but the there's a story about a man who got lost in the desert, and he was, if you're in the desert and you are lost, what's the one thing that you need? Water. And um, after a period of time, he knew that his lack of water, he was... If he didn't find water soon, he was going to die, and he was in the middle of nowhere. He couldn't find his way out, and he finally stumbled across an old shack with a rusty water pump next to a little bottle of water with a note. The pump is good, but will need priming, the note informed him. If you pour a small amount of water into the pump, you will displace all the air and be able to pump all the water you need. Dying of thirst, small bottle of water... You can drink that or you can tip it in there and have all the water you need. Now, again, some of us go, oh, yeah, that, that I would naturally do that because I know how machines work. I'd work that fine. But I think most of us would be at, in the position going, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? I, I'm, I'm, I'm dying of thirst right now. If I don't do this it's, and it, if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm just going to die. But on the flip side, a little bottle of water is only going to sustain you for a bit. If he drank all that water, it probably wouldn't even replace all the um, moisture in his body that he'd already lost. So the man had a choice. And so in the end, he, he went, I can survive for a few more hours by drinking this water or I can trust and have a belief that this will actually supply all that I need. These unseen reservoirs of water. He took a leap of faith. He poured the water into the pump. He began to move the handle. Has this, has this really worked? Has this really, is this going to happen? And at first, his efforts yielded nothing. I wonder how many times you've got to spin it before you go, I did the wrong thing. And he began to fear that the sacrifice was for nothing. And then suddenly fresh water began to flow freely. And he drank and he showered and he filled it containers in the shack and they would enable him to find his way out of the desert and back home he was truly satisfied see the thing is when it comes to satisfaction like we there are there are a number of songs out there in our world we think of rolling stones i can't get no satisfaction and i, I had a look at the lyrics of that, that song this week because i i'm sort of semi-familiar with it but like it's it's not one of those song tracks in my head and, and the thing is, basically, that song is saying, I've looked and I've looked and I've looked and I can't get no satisfaction. You too, a number of years, um, uh, uh, a number of years ago, produced a song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And so in our musical world, there are people that are probably honestly searching for something more. And these are, these are at times when these musical bands are at the top of their sort of success they, they, everyone knows them, their songs are on the chart and they are still singing songs with a truth from inside them saying I can't get no satisfaction or I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I think a part of that is that we live in a way where we, we take the little bottle of water and we try and fill ourselves up with that and all of a sudden it does for a moment and then it doesn't satisfy our needs, it doesn't sort of fulfill us for, for all the time that we have. See, Jesus fulfills our deepest longings and we can live out of the overflow of his life within us. And the overflowing life plays itself out in a unique happiness. God wants us all to walk in unique happiness. It's part of living life and having what Jesus calls life more abundantly. 
Now, some of us translate that verse because they go, do you know what? My life is horrible now. I don't want it to be more abundantly. But other verses translate that a little bit different. It wants life overflowing. It wants us sort of filled to the top of all the fullness of God and then we can't actually contain it within our life. It flows out. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to live in that way where all of a sudden you can't contain all the good stuff in your life because it just keeps bubbling over and all of a sudden it it bubbles onto other people? Like Some of you probably know people like this who they, they just... They might be irritating because they are just so joyful, going, okay, like just bring it down a notch. But they, they're full of the life that God has for them. And all of a sudden just bubbles out. And so, and so instead of being quick to complain, they're quick to see, oh, thank God. They're, they're quick to be thankful, to be grateful, to, to be sort of seeing the goodness that God is doing around them. And I've realized that it, it does really de- de- depend on my perspective at times because I know that God does good in my life every day. I also know that there are trials in my life every day. And some days my, my mindset, my focus just goes here and I can't get beyond it and I miss all the goodness that God is bringing my way. But some days I, 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 I force my, my gaze into to what God is doing and, and these problems aren't gone. But in the midst of that, I say, oh, thank God that this is true. Thank God that, that God has set me free. Thank God that, that he loves me. Thank God that he, he's given me the life he has. Thank God he's providing for me. Thank God that he is with me through this trial. And you see, we all of a sudden, we can start to get that fullness of life and that abundance that he wants to have give us. That's why God's definition of cra- the crazy happy life is called the Beatitudes. They're not the call to do attitudes. It's not about going out and doing stuff and, and I'll, just, I'll just work harder at doing it. It's about who we are and, and when our life is lived out in the overflow of the life Jesus within us. And our, our lives have a tremendous happiness when we, we're seeking God's best for us. So we're going to continue studying the Beatitudes today, um, the life of the blessed person, the happy person. Remember, um, the blessed person can be sometimes, blessed is he, it can be, oh, how happy is uh, the person who's done this. And so last week we, we, um, we finished at Matthew 5, 6, and it went, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, for righteousness, for they should be filled. God wants to fulfill our deepest and truest longings in our heart. And so today as we look at that, I want to, First of all, look at this idea that a satisfied soul loves mercy. A satisfied soul loves mercy. From We read actually in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And so a satisfied soul loves mercy. See, mercy, mercy embraces both forgiveness for the guilty and then also compassion for those who are suffering or hurting. One of the best ways to understand mercy is seeing how it relates to both justice and grace. Justice is when you give somebody what they deserve. Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Um, um, and grace is when you give something that they don't deserve. So mercy is letting someone off the hook. Grace is giving something to people that they didn't deserve in the first place. A person who has received mercy then also extends mercy to others and they demonstrate the same mercy God extended to them. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
I, I think in a way what happens is that if we are people that are unwilling to be merciful in the way that we live, we don't... It's either one of these two things. We either haven't experienced the mercy of God or we are choosing not to. Like we are, we are choosing not to, to let God be merciful to us. Uh, some of us may do that because what we'll try and do is earn God fa- God's favour. Anyone ever got in trouble with a parent before, like really big trouble? And you go from that point, like, like two of you put up your hands. Liars. Oh, okay. Oh, three. Liars. Okay. I know some of your parents. So, um, I'm going to have to have stories with, I'm going to have to ask them some questions. But the thing is, uh, just from my experience, when I did something that majorly wrong and I went, I'm in trouble for this, what I would end up doing is that for the next period of time, whatever might be a week or two weeks, I'm going, I've got to be like, like Jesus, like um, that's what I've got to try and do. Like I know the example was really high, but I'm going to go like that's what I'm going to try and do because if I don't, they're going to be reminded of that big thing I did wrong. And sometimes the weeks might have to turn into a month or whatever else. I think some of us try and do that with God. We actually go, oh, I've really messed up. I do need mercy, just not as much as you think I got. You pay half, I'll pay half. Like, has anyone ever done that, or is that just my spiritual immaturity? Like, I, I don't know here. Like, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm looking for a, a bit of a, a sort of feeling how other people go. But sometimes we, we go, I don't need as much mercy as that next guy. I'll do a bit of the work, God. And so, because we haven't fully received mercy, we can't fully pass on mercy. Because the same way that we judge ourselves and we earn our favour here, then we make other people earn our favour to us. They've got to pay us back. I'll forgive them a little bit. I will show them mercy a little bit, but they've got to come to the party. In fact, I reckon they've got to pay 60, I'll do 40. Maybe even 70, 30. Like, I'm not going to do it all. But when we when we are truly understand the fullness of mercy that God has given us, all of a sudden go, oh, I have received mercy abundantly. And so therefore, because I am at God's mercy and he has given it to me, I will extend that same mercy to other people. When we seek satisfaction first and foremost in God, now all of a sudden we love to give that mercy we have received. Psalm 18 verses 25 and 26. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With, the, with a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. The Lord allows us to set the standard by which we experience life. And when we realize we have obtained mercy, we are merciful. And when we are merciful, we are crazy happy. And the cycle goes on and on and the world is blessed. But not only is God's crazy happy way a way of mercy, we actually start looking um, in Matthew 5, 8, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So God's crazy happy plan for us is that purity focuses your vision. Purity focuses your vision. When someone who is pure to heart is purified by Jesus, when our heart is purified, we get to see God at work. When, when, we are, when God cleanses, all of a sudden we can see God in places that we couldn't see God working before. 
Our hearts are the control center of our lives. And when we see things with God's purity and when you see through the lens of the Holy Spirit, through the finished work of Jesus, as our hearts have been purified now, all of a sudden we get to see the handiwork of God everywhere. Now, just think about that for a bit. Think about maybe this past week and how God is at work doing different things. If you've missed it, like, and, and you know how we say, well, what, what can you praise God for about this week? Sometimes I ask that question and, and I get blank stares going, oh, God hasn't been at work in my life this week. I've been busy doing this. I've been busy doing this. I've been focusing on me. And, and this verse is kind of saying when we, when we have a pure heart before God, all of a sudden those God moments start jumping out at you. For some of us, we need to, God moments to jump out and smack us in the face because we can be completely oblivious at times. And so all of a sudden we start seeing more of them. But this is the thing. If you start seeing more of them, and you go, oh, great, oh, God did that, that's awesome, thumbs up to God. We start, when we see five, when we see ten, when we see a hundred, when we see a thousand things that God is doing, it. do you think you'd get a little bit excited by that? Not like you're acting right now, like because you're not very excited at the moment. If you see God do something amazing this week and go, oh, so let's go back to Jesus, say, oh, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Good job, God, that's just... Like, I reckon some of you would have been there and that would have been your response. Like, um, um, good, 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 like a high five, like, and we'll send you a text or we'll like it on Facebook. But when we start seeing God at work, especially in our life, especially in the area of things that we've been praying for, especially in ways we weren't even expecting, all of a sudden it will bring an excitement and a joy in our life to say, wow, God, thank you for doing that. God, thank you for doing God, I didn't even know I needed help with that. Talk about crazy happiness. When we see God working, we see God's fingerprints in the world around us. And this generates an extraordinary happiness for us. Psalm 24 verses 3 to 6 reminds us, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of who uh, those who seek him, who seek your face. The psalm talks about a person who can be with God. They exhibit a single-minded devotion to God, which is the overflowing of the internal cleansing that comes from believing in Jesus. When we believe, when we begin to walk um, in this crazy happy life, we begin to see God everywhere because God has purified our hearts. Now, continuing in Matthew, looking at verse 9, it said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so that next step we need to take is to be a peacemaker. If you want to be a crazy happy person, you need to be a peacemaker. We can make peace with others because we have first had peace made for us through the finished work of Jesus. Because of his sacrifice, we are at peace with God and then God shares the peace of God with us. And God's peace surpasses all human understanding. And we have an inward peace with God that now, um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, leads us to be peacemakers with the world. And there is nothing more joy including, there is nothing that brings more happiness than when we see reconciliation, when we see peace being made with other people. Now let's take a look at the final two steps in the Beatitudes. Um, throughout the series, we've seen the unexpected places God's plan for happiness is found. These next two 
are no different. We look at Matthew 5.10 and 2.12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile or persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The crazy happy life is not always easy. Why is that the case? Well, you see it right here in the Beatitudes. You go through these beautiful areas, um, unexpected, surprising places where happiness is found, and then you land with persecution. But you're not persecuted because you're doing the wrong things. Some people read that verse that way. They go, blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, and they leave out that last little bit of phrase, for my sake. They go, I'm going to act in a certain way. I'm, I'm speeding through the traffic. I'm cutting people off and people are honking and saying all kinds of things about me and we think it's because we've got the Jesus sticker on the back of our car. No, it's because of the way you're driving. Like, it's not, don't say Jesus is going, I don't, I don't know them right now. Like, um, yeah, I'm not with them. So I'm, I'm with the car that's, it's, is, is doing the honking. Um, but the, but the thing is, like, yeah, we, we get to this place where God says, hey, we're persecuted not for doing the wrong things, we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Sometimes when you're doing all the right things and you're living a crazy, happy life with Jesus, people don't always like you and they choose to come after you. How dare you be happy that you are saved from sin and I'm not? So therefore, I'm going to say you are judgmental and bigoted and you believe in a fairy tale and I'm going to sort of build my life up in joy pretending there is nothing wrong. That is kind of the philosophy of our world. They say just because you must be weak because you've accepted Jesus or you think you need Jesus. Oh, I know I need Jesus. And yes, it is because I am weak. It is because I'm a sinner. It is because I can't live life without him. It is all those reasons, but it's still the truth. And and then the the truth that comes with that is 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 abundant. But we do we do live in a world that wants to attack us and come after us in that way. When we have to remember what Jesus said in John fifteen seventeen to twenty one. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But if you keep my word, they will, keep, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus told us this would happen. Even more than this, like as we read that passage, it happened to Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming we're all here because we love, we respect, we honour Jesus and we couldn't imagine anything doing anything horrible to him at all. 
we, we like when we watch the Jesus movies or we read the stories of Jesus, we kind of go, wow, he's amazing every step of the way. And yet people wanted to do him harm. People wanted to hurt him. And the thing is, when we look at that, like we, we, you just don't understand why would you do that to, to Jesus? Why would you look to harm him, to destroy him, to persecute him? And yet they did. He was God among them, and yet they made horrible choices to reject him. The same will be true for us. If you embark on this crazy happy life and God blesses you, some people will still not like you. They still won't go, oh, like you're following Jesus. Well, good on you. I'm doing my own thing, but I'm, we, we can walk life together. We have this target on our back. Jesus said that from the beginning. That's just going to be part of life. But I love how radically realistic Jesus is. When it comes to sort of selling the, 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 the be attitude life, he doesn't sort of skip out on these things. He could have skipped those last few verses and gone, they'll find out eventually. They'll find out that in the fine print. I'm going to put it right in the sales pitch. If you want to follow me or if you want to live the best life, if you want to be like, no, oh, how happy is the person that does this, then you will be persecuted for righteousness. You will be attacked because of Jesus' sake. Jesus put it right there, right on the flyer, front page, so that we would know that. He's radically realistic. He doesn't say, if you're going, if you're, if you're crazy happy, everything's going to go wonderfully. Because I think sometimes that's the idea that we've bought into as Christians, that for me to know the joy of God deep in my life, everything needs to be perfect. And when it's not perfect, we try and find out why. We, start, we go, well, is it my fault? Is it God's fault? Is it someone else's fault? And we try and find the blame. And then we try and fix that part. I've just got to be a better person. God, you've got to be a better God. And if you can't be a better God, I'm going to leave you, leave you behind and find something else. No, Jesus said right from the get-go, hey, there's going to be struggles and trials when we follow him. But we can still know um, and experience the crazy happy life in the, in the, in the midst of that. Because we need to realize that um, even when things go bad, you still can be happy because you know you're being persecuted for loving the Lord and loving people and living uniquely. Isn't it amazing to see God's plan for the happy life? But never forget it's born out of the overflow of God's life in us. So don't go home and go, I'm just going to do better or I'm going to sort of set a goal of, of doing all of these. I'm going to smile more often, or I'm going to I'm going to say more good things more than bad things. No, it it comes back to diving into to our life with Jesus. If you want to know that joy, you will not find it outside of Him. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus is the answer. Knowing Him and walking with Him and being satisfied by Him is the answer. When Jesus satisfies our truest longing, we, we begin to live uniquely. And we are reminded that even when we are crazy happy, not everyone will be happy with us. But there is a joy in being obedient to Christ. 
There is a joy in knowing that we are exactly where we're meant to be. And so I challenge you. As we look at, as we finish looking at the Beatitudes today, we've got one more week of, of looking at crazy happy that you would go, do you know what? What do I need to do in my life to be closer to Jesus? Not to do the things that Jesus wants me to do, but to be closer to Jesus and let the overflow of his life flow into mine. Let's pray together. Father, help us find our deepest fulfillment in you and let your life overflow through me into the world. I I pray that as we know you more and more and more that the world will see you in us and see the effects of you on our lives and the joy that we can hold with our hands uh, each day of following you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.